When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. It's episode 16 of the most unique wrestling podcast available today. We have a good one, and I'm sure after you're listening to this podcast, you will enjoy it with a very special guest from 1992. Joining me, as he does each and every week, is renowned wrestling journalist, my co-host, Mr. Bob Smith. Bob, welcome back. Well, thank you, John, and it's great to be back. And I would go anywhere Jesse Ventura goes because I think he's a real legend and one of the most unique people in the history of the sport. Oh, absolutely. Jesse Ventura, the special guest tonight, uh, will be covering it from February the 2nd, 1992. Also with us, our producer and editor, residing in the province of Quebec, Canada. I think I said it correct again. Uh, that is uh, near Mon- That's in Montreal. A-Rob, Alex Robertson. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. How are you, John? I'm a little cold. It's a little still chilly here in uh, Nashville. So um, people aren't used to this. We've had, um, over the last several weeks, uh, more snow than they've had in years here. So that was real interesting for me. And, uh, and of course, uh, you know, I turned 65 uh, on January 25th. So uh, uh, it's really uh, great to be officially an old time son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) well according to the law maybe but i don't know that i would agree with that just generally speaking yeah i mean uh it was uh interesting and of course i celebrated a little bit with a few friends and had a nice steak and a little wine and so uh, but it was uh, interesting to turn 65 at least a lot of people say i don't look it so John, age is, a blessing. A, age is just a number, John. I say that every night yeah. when I drop my dentures into the polydent. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, just a number. Oh, my goodness. My, my wooden leg is working. My, grandmother. My, my wooden leg is working just fine, man. I'm fine. I'm, I'm aces. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And, uh, you know, I, I think I was telling everybody weeks ago, months ago, actually, that I was had a, a torn rotator cuff and uh, I decided not to get the surgery. I decided to hold off on it because my shoulder, it's not uh, it's not as bad as it was and it's getting a little bit better every week. So I said, what the heck? I'm just going to ride it out. And uh, so that's my health update. <laughs> I'm surprised. I really thought you were going in for the surgery. I was going in, but uh, it, it really calmed down. I mean, the mobility is is kind of back. It's, I, I bought this pillow and uh, it was a, a pretty expensive pillow. It was like <laughs> it, w- it was on an incline, and it was specifically for with people with shoulder injuries. 
it's on an incline and it has a hollow top to it. And then there's another pillow inside of it. And this long thing looks like a snake. And it's almost like a uh, Tempur-Pedic wraparound. And then you put your arm through the hole because I'm a side sleeper. And it has helped. It's wow, crazy. that's great. So uh, I've been using that. And then uh, I got a wonderful report from my doc. I had, you know, you do annual blood work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the bl- best blood work I've ever had. I'm in that same boat. I've, I've was never crazy. been healthier than, at my age. I've never been healthier than I've been the last 10 years. Excuse me. My, my chest hurts. Yeah. Well, there's like the low range, the high range, you know, from the glucose levels to the cholesterol to, you know, the vitamin D, all of the different things that they test for. Everything was within range. And he was kind of surprised. And he was joking. He was like, uh, I wonder if it's the right one. I was like, yeah, well, uh, I think it is. So anyway, that maybe that's from walking and just well, feeling young, or maybe it's just because I'm isolated in a place that um, I'm not, uh, I don't know, I'm just feeling healthy in this place by myself. John, as they say, body heal thyself. Uh, mm. My chiropractor is is big on bedding and, well, you know, I have, yeah. I have a ruptured L4, L5 down my lower spine, and it's like the right mattress can do wonders for, for the healing process, even yes. if you're like going in for adjustments and stuff like that. Yeah. So it really is true that something as simple as a change of, of a pillow or a change of a mattress can to mean a whole lot to us youngsters. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, of course, walking <laughs> every day and Alex is looking at us as like, man, yeah, Alex. Know. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is not your future. Don't worry about it. No, I'm only, I'm only 27. I got a little ways to go. Yes, you do. You got a oh. long ways to go before you start getting all the aches and pains. And anyway, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that because they're all, you know, most of them are probably over 40, I would have to say. Uh, but uh, we're ready to go. I mean, I do uh, want to let everybody know that our uh, good friend, Donnie Liable, the one man wrestling encyclopedia, is not <laughs> going to be joining us for this episode. He had a family commitment. So we'll have Donnie back uh, next week. I also want to remind you that this show is really brought to you by our patrons, all 90 of you. The patron support we receive goes to the expenses for editing, distribution, marketing, and hard costs. I'm asking that if you enjoy what we do here, go to patreon.com slash John to help defer the cost of bringing this show to you each and every week. We're now accepting annual memberships to our Patreon account, and there's enough content on the page right now to keep you knee-deep and vintage wrestling history for months on end. 175 pieces of wrestling history to be exact. Each episode of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight from April 1989 through February 2nd, 1992 are there. Plus there are vintage photo sets, bonus audio dating back to the early 70s, videos, 8mm film clips from 1973 and 74, Zoom calls, and so much more. You also have the option to receive vintage wrestling magazines sent to you monthly as well. And I sent a bunch of them out today uh, going to the post office with a couple of big bags of magazines uh, being sent out to our patrons. So uh, if you uh, do want to participate, we welcome it. Patreon.com slash John Arezzi. We also want to hear from you and have your questions answered right here on the podcast. So just message me on Patreon or send an email to Pro Wrestling Spotlight, J-A, at gmail.com. 
Okay, Bob, as I mentioned earlier, we have a great episode lined up, Jesse the Body Ventura. So let's get into what happened on February 2nd, 1992. You got it, John. And I'll tell you what, we all know who Jesse the Body Ventura is for, for old timers like us. He went on to become the mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, and eventually was the governor of Minnesota in a moment yeah. that I, I remember watching his acceptance speech and I was on the floor because yeah. I couldn't believe it, John. Did you see that? What yeah. had happened? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what was your reaction to it? I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't no. believe that the dude was the governor. And, uh, you know, when he decided to run for mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, I thought that was a little uh, crazy because of everything that he did in his career. But uh, the guy was um, and is, he's still alive, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. and somebody that um, really set out to accomplish many, many things. And uh, he accomplished what he set out to do. And now he, I guess he lives in Mexico and he's, uh, he's a huge conspiracy theorist. I know that. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was going to avoid the political bent because this was long before our show is long before all that stuff started creeping up on him. But, you know, I, and I still ignore it because I remember Jesse as the nicest tough guy i ever met does that make any sense yeah always very nice very polite very cooperative uh i always enjoyed uh talking to him or having him on the show uh just a great great guy and um hey listen you know people have their opinions and you know like i said we do avoid the political stuff here but jesse is a special unique individual and uh, he is uh, an entrepreneur and he does a lot of different things Mm uh but um and he also is going to be appearing at an autograph show for the first time. Uh, that is at uh, 80s WrestleCon with Tommy Fierro promoting that in New Jersey in May. So uh, Jesse is signed to be at that show. Interesting. Um, you may want to go there, Bob. I may uh, even go. I may even go. It's, a, it's just going to be a big wrestling convention. Oh, I, you know, I'm dying to go anywhere at this point. So yeah. I, I'm really hoping that things clear out and it feels safe to do something like that. Because yeah, I'll yeah. be there. It sounds hopefully, good. Hopefully and, May. Yeah. And you know what? Jesse is kind of like a Wilt Chamberlain or a Sandy Koufax. And I'll tell you why I say that. He changed commentary on wrestling forever he was the first real heel commentator and changed the way wrestling was broadcast from them till now nobody ever did what he did before he did it and he was great at it mm-hmm. i used to love his interaction with vince mcmahon I yeah i love the ways to get under mcmahon's skin i still love the nicknames that he gave some of the guys ivan paduski Ivan paduski yeah so many of them and and then, of course, going over to WCW in the time period that we're talking about. I mean, that was just a big shot in the arm for them. It was. And, you know, WCW really seemed to be rounding into form. And that was a great hire on their part. Uh, I it didn't was. think Jesse lasted long enough there. But yeah. I do believe that, um, boy, he made it more major league for the minute he walked in. It you was, know, they, a, it was kind of a game that. changer for them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of like, wow, they got Jesse. Holy smokes, you know. And Well, it was and, more than that. They brought Bruno in for a couple of spots. I Remember know. that? I know. And, and um, other people who the fans knew and they were like eternal stars. They weren't like flashes in the pan guys. These were eternal Hall of Fame type personalities that really spruced the shows up, especially the pay-per-views. And yeah. they were doing a great job in 92. And we all thought they were, you know, yeah. possibly going out of business after they were stupid enough to cut Ric Flair. But things turned around. Yeah, it was a definitely uh, this era for WCW it was a definitely a roller coaster. 
big nope. roller coaster. No question about it. Like week to week, it was a roller coaster. It was, it was. It was hard to predict what was going to happen week to yeah. week, month to month. That's for sure. So uh, you want to start with some clips here? We'll uh, take yeah. you to the beginning of the show. With uh, We're going to have another uh, visit here from your co-producer, Vinny Vince Russo. <laughs> Vinny Russo. Vincent. Yeah. And you're going, to talk, you're going to talk about the Booster Club and the newsletter, and we'll talk bro. about that on the other end of this, right? Okay, bro. Let's do it. All right, bro. <laughs> and I want to introduce our executive producer and co-editor of Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly, Mr. Vince Russo. Vince, how are you tonight? I'm okay, John. Um, the newsletter is going fine. I just want to thank the fans out there, and I want to tell them to keep their subscriptions coming in, and we'll keep the news going out. Well, we have uh, issue number five has been, uh, I guess, mailed out as of yesterday. Yes. And uh, front page story about the Clash of the Champions. Uh, great artwork once again. Paulie Dangerously in the Dangerous Alliance. Uh, we also uh, had that scoop for you in this issue about Hogan, the, Hulk the Hulkster and Sid Justice splitting at the Fox TV special, which will air next week. So a lot of things happening. Uh, we... Uh, also have a new column called The Rumor Mill. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight Weekly Newsletter has been uh, getting tremendous amount of uh, uh, support from the listeners out there, and uh, we just appreciate that. Uh, once again, after the show today, we'll, we will be here uh, taking your calls if you'd like a sample issue. And Vince, the newsletter, we're getting uh, letters from everywhere. Well, the fans are the ones that are really keeping us on the air now. As you know, John, we're out there every day trying to get sponsors, but thanks to our fans and the response to the newsletter, we're here five weeks in a row. This is our fifth week on the air at EVD, and uh, we hope to continue here for a whole lot longer. We're going to announce later in the program the um, Pro Wrestling Spotlight Booster Club, and uh, uh, we'll tell you how to join that booster club and proceeds go to keep us on the air here. Okay, John. How was the newsletter doing at that point? Really well. I mean, the subscriptions were coming in fast and furious, and people were digging what we were putting out. Um, we had was, a big audience, uh, and people were responding. We, we gave away a lot of free issues in the beginning. Well, there's, that was my next question. Uh, did people stay past their sample? Well, I mean, yeah, people were sending money in because I found out uh, I never knew the exact number from Vince, um, but there was a lot of people. And then when we had the split, uh, he went on and did his own newsletter. Then I started one. It was just a big mess, but there were a lot of people that uh, that were subscribing at this point. I got to be honest with you. I think I only saw the first issue. Were you sending them to our office? I don't even remember. Uh, we did have a... A list of comps, and I'm sure that we were sending them out to uh, to the offices there in Rockville Center. Yeah, well, that's right. You know, I remember. You know what? I'm remembering it now because of the artwork. Yeah, the yeah. artwork was fabulous. Really in that cool thing. artwork in the thing. Always the cover. Always had a a, a nice uh, uh, photograph and and uh, a, a, you know a, a illustration. I guess you would call it. Uh, and uh, that was kind of a staple of the of the newsletter. And then it was funny because when Vince started his own up uh, the week after we had split and he did his own, I think it was issue number 13. Um, and it was all about rats and pictures of me, like a big fat guy with dark glasses and Phil Muchnick. And uh, it was just kind of a whole different 
direction and the fans were up in arms. They did not like it. And he only did like two. And then I came back and started it up again. And, uh, and uh, I was trying to appease everybody uh, that had subscribed and then got his and didn't want his anymore. And then it was just a mess. It really becomes a big mess in less than two months from now. But at the timing of this show, you guys were getting along at this juncture, were you? Um, We never really got along. Let's put it that way. But there was always tension and there was always um, just a feeling in my gut that this was not the right partnership for me. And I think he felt it, too. Uh, and the deeper we uh, we started covering things like the scandals, it just was evident that this was not meant to be. And, you know, even though we discussed it with him here at the show and uh, we really have a, a, a really good relationship today, it was an ugly one back then. And it was never something that I was comfortable with. And mm-hmm. I, I think he was in the same boat. I mean, he always says he needed a job. And he got a job through me. It was a job, but there was no money being made. And uh, I really can't wait till um, till the split up in a lot of ways, so we could, you know, relive it as painful as it's going to be. Uh, and as my blood pressure will probably rise when we're <laughs> covering those shows. But just to hear what he did immediately after that with his with his own radio show. I mean, less than two weeks after our split up, he debuted on WGBB with vicious Vincent's world of wrestling. And, uh, uh, I have tapes of that. We may, maybe we'll play a few clips here because patrons will hear it all. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to try to bring Vince back, uh, so we can go over those ugly final moments. You know, as uh, you know, I, I, I know I'm going to anger some of our contingency out there, but I'm actually looking forward to having him back on the show. I enjoyed the first yeah. time he was here. It was good. And I learned a lot about your relationship and, and, uh, well, I did too. <laughs> and, and it was kind of heartwarming to find out that you guys can patch it up after all those years. So, you know what? Yeah. 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 yeah he was t- he was, and it was kind of funny this week on, because uh, uh, we tape a couple of weeks in advance. I think people know that. Uh, uh, if they don't, they know it now. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, because we like to keep ahead of the game. We, we always want, you know, when we say we're dropping a show every Thursday night, we're going to drop a show every Thursday night. Uh, and um, it's good to have a couple in the can. Uh, but uh, what happened this past week was I had done a TV interview on Long Island. Uh, it was a it was a YouTube show called Monty and the Pharaoh. And oh, yeah. You know those guys. They're Long sure. Island guys. I, sure. I met them through Sunny Beach, uh, Rick Allen. And uh, they brought me on. And, uh, you know, this was right around the time when my book came out. And uh, they just started uh, just trashing Vince and and. Um, you know, how much I hated him and, and, you know, all of these things. And I was trying to be as, I was trying to be as nice as I could saying that we don't have the problem anymore, but we did have the problem and I hated him years ago. And, and then they posted on Twitter uh, this past week about how he screwed me and how he did uh, and uh, just some really vicious things about him. And, and uh, he responded, and I don't know if it was just for clickbait, why they did it, I don't know. And they let it off with, you know, John Arezzi talks about his hatred for Vince Russo and the link to their YouTube. And uh, I, I came to his defense in it, and I said, I'm friends with Vince these days, I, no matter what happened years ago. 
I, you know, I saw the clip. You I did. saw the, on YouTube you talking to them about that. I forgot. I forgot that I had, you know, you just jogged my memory for something more recent. I was yeah. late one night. I just found this clip of you and I watched it and they were like yelling into the mic about, you know, well, they were they were baiting me during the interview with a lot of different things. With yeah, Plano and and you know they were just trying to. I don't know what their objective was, but I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't happy with that sit down interview at all. I I just, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what their objective was with me. What they were trying to get, they were trying to get a rise out of me. I'm sitting next to Sunny Beach, and they're talking about Herb Abrams, and they're talking about Mike Leno, and they're talking about Vince Russo, and they're talking about all these things that. Um, that happened so many years ago, and uh, I don't have hate in my heart for anybody today. I mean, it, life is too short, and if you have an opportunity to patch things up with people that you had disagreements with, large or small, that's my that's the way I live my life today. Uh, so um, I, I I don't I wish that they they you know that they don't do it again because um, it was kind of ugly what they did this past week. Well, all I know is is that um, I'll probably never be booked to, to, to on any of these bigger wrestling talk shows because I don't have anything bad to say about anybody. Right? I think people yeah, are looking. Wants everybody wants dirt. They want me to say that Bill yeah. Apter was, you know, really ate a, a whole box of Hershey bars or something. I'm not. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. It, it, it's. I don't have anything bad to say about anybody. It, and, and it's not that I didn't have my problems in my PWI years. I just. They weren't anything major. I'm still friends with everybody. You know, it, it, it life can be that way sometimes, you know, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, does everything have to end with hatred and, you know, animosity? No, it doesn't. Well, that's the way the world is today, pretty much. It is. It absolutely at, you is. Know, and, but I try to live my life a little bit different. As, as corny as it may sound, uh, I don't have this hatred in my heart, even for like Brian Last and all the things that he said about me. And there's no reason for it. You know, and it was kind of funny because I, I, I was with Conrad Thompson uh, this week, um, it, it, just out of the blue. I mean, I had a meeting with uh, Dave Milliken. He invited me to his house. He lives about an hour from where I live because he makes all these wonderful championship belts. And he goes, you should stop by and see, you know, see the, the office and and check everything out. And then I agreed. And then the, the night before I was heading over there, he said, uh, Conrad, uh, found out you were coming and he'd like to come have lunch with us and hang out. And it was kind of cool. And we, you know, the first thing I did to Conrad, cause I haven't really talked to him since all the stuff went down with Brian. And obviously everybody knows I'm not working in his organization, uh, which Brian, uh, yeah, that was the reason he gave for dropping the podcast. So we just hung out and, and uh, you know, so Dave was like, well, yeah, I could tell you that man over there didn't lose one, one drop of, you know, one uh, minute of sleep worrying about what Brian said, you know, and that's in Conrad's like, I don't even, you know, I've never even met the guy, you know? So mm -hmm. we just, we talked about it briefly and, um, and it was kind of like all of this big stuff and all the things that Brian said and, and uh, on those two shows. Um, uh, but I don't hate the guy, but I was just kind of like, well, you know, where's my, where, where is my placement on ad free shows and where's my placement with Conrad's network? There wasn't any deep, it wasn't anything really concrete. We were just talking about it and I let Brian know and, and, you know, but uh, everything happens for a reason. Cause now here I am with you who, who I love doing the show with 
and uh, our friend Alex, uh, who does an incredible job, you know, producing, editing the show. And Donnie is back. We bring guests on. So um, uh, everything worked out the way it's supposed to work out. And there's no uh, uh, long term or there's no animosity at all over there. I, I wish Brian well, as I always do. And I listen to Cornette show. I listen to shows every week. All the time. Every week. I love it. Shows. You know, whether whether he, you know, whatever he has to say about you is, I don't know what to say about that. They're great programs. They deserve the success they're having. They're awesome yeah. Oh, yeah. podcasts. They are. And um, that's all That's all I care about. It's it's an excellent, entertaining show. And Jim Cornette is a genius. And he's hilarious. And I, I, he's, yes. he's, he's my favorite thing in wrestling today is yes. Jim Cornette. And somebody's going to take umbrage at me saying that because, you know, Jim Yeah, he's Jim has kind of an off-color joke now and again. I don't care. I think Cornette we, um, should still be booking somewhere. That's my opinion. Yeah, he's uh, incredible. And uh, every every show that he does, I just laugh my ass off because he's yep. so funny. He is, he'll come up with a line that will just fracture you. Yes. Out of nowhere, just in the middle of a, of a promo read or something, he'll go yes. off on a tangent and you can't believe what he's saying. And I'm wondering, and I'm always wondering, what are the advertisers thinking? You know, it's, it's like, he'll well, say they, anything. They got plenty of them, so they must be doing a good job for them as well. Right, right. But in any event, uh, listen, I hope everybody patches things up. And you, yes. know who, you know who we don't Peace have to love. Patch, you know who we don't have to patch anything up with? Don Liable. Right. Because it's time for the uh, news capsule, which we've redubbed the time capsule. As we go back uh, 30 years, do you want to go back in time, John? Oh, I'd love to. Here we go. And let's go to Don Liable right now with the Pro Wrestling Spotlight News Capsule of the Week. Don, are you there? Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. World Championship Wrestling has announced four of its matches to be part of the live lineup presented in Milwaukee, Wisconsin's Mecca Arena on February 29th, Super Brawl 2 pay-per-view. Lex Luger puts his WCW heavyweight belt on the line against Sting. Rick Rude's United States title is up for grabs with Ricky Steamboat. Cactus Jack and Abdullah will battle inside a steel cage. And Jushin Thunder Liger gives Brian Pillman another shot at regaining the WCW light heavyweight strap. Turning to the World Wrestling Federation, sources report Marty Jannetty, formerly one half of the Rockers tag team with Shawn Michaels, has had his services terminated by the Federation. Now, no specific reasons have come public as of yet, but the roster movement apparently has already taken place. And sticking with WWF Newsbreakers, several matches for the WrestleMania show on April 5th are set. Roddy Piper will meet Bret Hart. Jake Roberts challenges The Undertaker. Hulk Hogan goes one-on-one -on -one with Sid Justice. And Ric Flair defends the WWF heavyweight title against Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, much happened this past weekend at WWF TV tapings in Texas to reshape the action plan for the Hoosier Dome show in Indianapolis. And the one-hour special to air this coming Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the Fox Television Network will have for the main event Sid Justice and Hulk Hogan opposing Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Now, during this match, as Hogan was being double-teamed, Sid reportedly turned his back on the Hulkster and later was seen being managed by Harvey Whippleman. Another important development in Texas was The Undertaker coming to the aid of Elizabeth when Jake Roberts was about to hit her. Now, The Undertaker was cheered by those in the arena. And also with the WWF, Demolition Crush returned as well, but uh, this time without the facial makeup. And former WWF champion Pedro Morales is set to return to the ring next month. Now, Morales, who captured the title 21 years ago in Madison Square Garden, will wrestle in Japan for the upstart wing promotion. 
And the big news coming out of the Global Dome in Texas this past Friday night, the Dark Patriot, managed by Bruce Pritchard, defeated the Patriot for the Global Wrestling Federation's North American Championship. Now, why with the, while with the WWF, Pritchard was known as Brother Love. And finally, it's a match made in heaven for real. Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert and Medusa Michelli were married this past Wednesday. Capsule time, 1025. Okay, the ticker grew on me. Yeah. I like the ticker now. I, it's 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 corny, but I like it. If it's used properly, it. it really... <laughs> I forgot that Eddie Gilbert married Medusa. I know. Isn't that going to be something to read in her book? No kidding. That chapter. Yeah, I mean that was kind of short lived. Yeah, like, short lived. Yeah, because I remember you know when we went to Southeast Asia, she had already you know divorced Eddie and. And she was with Greg Valentine, who pr- proposed to her on that Southeast Asia tour. And that didn't last. <laughs> Bob, you, I, I can't talk. I can't What's talk. going on? I, I'm, I, 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 it, 30 years in wrestling, and very rarely did we talk about who was dating who. Right. <laughs> it, it just didn't come up in the old days, you know? No, People it was were kind of really quiet about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and Eddie, of course, with Missy Hyatt, then, you know, then Medusa. And, uh, yeah, there was, you know, that stuff happens in the business. I mean, uh, there's it a does. lot of relationships uh, oh, to this my heart, day. My heart swells just thinking about it. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, Missy Hyatt, Jason Hervey. I can't wait because we have that live remote from Scores we're going to be playing this year. That's going to be kind of cool. I mean, uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. But, yeah, Eddie Gilbert uh, and Medusa getting married, that was a – uh, eyebrow razor. Wasn't uh, it? Absolutely. And by the way, just as a little bit of trivia here, the uh, Dark Patriot was uh, Eddie Gilbert's brother. Doug? That was Doug Gilbert was the Dark Patriot. No in, kidding. In Global. And it. I totally forgot that Bruce, Bruce Pritchard had anything at all to do with Global. Yeah. Another thing that just escaped me after all these years. Um, I can't even picture that. He's so resilient, that guy, to this day. I mean, Teflon. I know. He is Teflon, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's uh, entrenched in WWE and more power to him, I guess. So. Yes, he's uh, kind of Vince's go-to. From what I understand. Right-hand guy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creative guy. I mean, you can't take that away from Bruce Pritchard. He's, no. he's come up with a lot of really interesting ideas over the years. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's no go-between uh, when you talk to someone and, and when they give their opinions of Bruce. It's an interesting. I, everyone I mean, has an interesting take on Bruce Pritchard. I met him a few times, and I'm sure he doesn't remember me at all. But um, nice guy, you know. Yeah. He seemed always upbeat. I never saw him dour right. sour. He was always the first to extend a hand to everybody. Yes, and uh, yeah, I was in conversations with him not too long ago. I guess it was in the fourth quarter because uh, uh, they had interest in. Uh, my archives uh, about doing something with my archives. And, and uh, so I, you know, I was, I was negotiating with him and a couple others in the company and uh, we didn't come to an agreement because um, uh, I have a, I have a, I have a, uh, in my heart, I know what I think my stuff is worth and in their business uh, model, they have an idea what they're willing to pay, which is to undercut you and I'm not going down that road. You know, so anyway, but Bruce was very respectful, very nice. And 
we had some really a really a couple really good conversations uh, last year. It was kind of cool. I imagine selling your work to the WWE is almost like going to a pawn shop with a Rolex, and you know Pretty what it's, and you know what yeah. it's worth. You know what your watch is worth. Yeah, and then they give you a price, and you're like, "Huh? What? Huh? Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like you you know that everything is subject to a markup somewhere along the line, and yeah, it's it was, certainly it was, not coming into your pocket. It was like the films, you know, the films and all the archive photographs. I mean, because the Andre debut at Madison Square Garden. I mean, that's stuff that they don't have. I have the only copies, only known footage of Andre uh, making his debut at Madison Square Garden. I, now, there's me, no other footage. Let me pick your brain. When Andre debuted, were they calling him Andre at that point? It was the first time ever he was called Andre the Giant. Is that right? It was Vince uh, Sr., Vince McMahon Sr., who gave him the name. Because he was, he was the, gi the giant Jean Fari. Yes. I never pronounced that name right. I always called him John Fair, you know, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I read it in a magazine. <laughs> and Andre Rusimov. And I mean, so. Right. He, but uh, uh, I, I never forget when um, we found out he was going to be at the garden and we saw, you know, coming Andre the Giant. It was like, Andre the Giant? That's that guy, Jean Fari. Mm -hmm. You know, but they changed his name and and he that was the first night he used Andre the Giant it was March 23rd, 1973, Madison Square Garden. And, you know, he was a worldwide sensation before he even got into the garden. Oh, absolutely. He, he, he was something else when he was young. Very athletic. People forget. Yes. That. Yeah. But when the, he started, he was really athletic. No, I mean, even when he made that de debut at the garden, those shows, I mean, the bolo punches that he used to throw and he was he was agile and um, I remember him in a tag match against Don Leo Jonathan. The guy really, for his size, was just incredible. And what a massive uh, specimen of a, of a man he was. Uh, but, uh, you know, I licensed some of that footage to the WWE for their um, hidden treasure show that was on A&E. And mm -hmm. so they when and, and I had discussions with their archives department uh, even before I was getting back in. Uh, to the business in uh, in uh, in 2018, early 19, it was uh, I had meetings with them because they uh, I reached out to them and they they loved what I had, especially on the footage. But then when they saw the the comprehensive list of the archives, uh, you know, 10,000 pictures from that era mm -hmm. uh, that are all the negatives. And but the one thing that was interesting is that they wanted uh, they also wanted to include in the deal all the audio tapes. Really? Yeah. Would that mean you'd lose the rights to them if you sold them? Well, of course. Yeah. So, but you know, everything happens for a reason. It wasn't uh it wasn't uh, anywhere it wasn't meant to be and uh so there are no discussions anymore uh with them at this point, but um hey, listen, I just know that um uh, what I have, uh, there will be uh there'll be a number someday that I think I will get from somebody that will be okay. You know, that's the number. Right. And then, then it will go. Uh, Don't but, settle, uh, John. That's all I'm saying. No, no, no. And, and the thing is, yeah. is, is the most important thing to me right now, um, you know, obviously I'd love to uh, find a uh, someone to buy uh, the archives just because you get up there in years and it would be a nice little retirement. But the audio tapes uh, are off the table. I mean, because yeah. I have three more years of this stuff to cover with yeah. everybody. And, and once that's done, it's done. But we still have another three years to go. So that uh, the tapes are, are critical 
to doing the show, obviously. You know, I, I look not at not going your, anywhere. I look at your situation with the photos, like these old timer musicians like Bob Dylan and selling their song rights because they're up and they're up in years now. And yeah, they're, they're getting millions of dollars from publishing companies to give up the rights to their own material yeah. because Springsteen, they would never got, make that much money waiting yeah. for the royalties to come. Oh, no, 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 no. Springsteen got $500 million. Right. Right? You know? So you you deserve at least $250 million, and we'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me, uh, you know. <laughs> Give me, what is it? What is 1% of $500 million? What is that? <laughs> what? Is that $5 million? Yeah. Yeah, well, all I know is when I play the lottery, I'm always like praying for the fifth prize. Like, I, my dream of winning yeah. the first prize is never going to happen. So, uh, give me like the seventh prize. I'd be yeah. very happy with whatever that is. Or the Powerball, give me, uh, you know, give me the second prize with the right. multiplier. So, right. you know, that's a million dollars plus whatever the multiplier is. And that's <laughs> enough. That's enough. I can yeah. live off of that. I can live sure. off of a million bucks for the rest of my life. I think. Just let's just let us allow us to stop working. That would be a, that would be fun. Just give yeah. me enough scratch to so I can go watch TV. Right. <laughs> Social well, Security doesn't pay that much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Alex, well, you guys got you have Social Security up in Canada? Yeah, we do. We have uh yeah, it's it's Social Security in a way. It just it has a different name. But yes, we okay. do. What do you call it? You know? Well, well you're too young to even probably think about it. <laughs> we have social insurance. Okay. So that's like it's that's it's pretty much the same thing. Got it. So you get it when you're like past 60 or 65 or something like that. That's right. Yeah. 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 That along with, you know, I find there's so many different things in the U S that like I'm learning that we have here in Canada. I just didn't know we actually had, but it's because we have so many different names for everything. So, but I'm pretty sure it's social insurance, but I've had a social insurance number from the time I was born. Yeah, you, you get one when you're very, very young, right. and that's yeah. the, that's what you use here for credit and everything you yeah. apply for is uh, your social security number. And yeah. what about your health coverage? Is that taken care of? Yeah. The, the, the sole reason, and I'm sorry for all of our American listeners, the sole reason I would never move to the U.S. is because our Medicare system here is out of this world amazing. We have, um, we have this thing called Medicare. So if you go yeah. to the hospital – as you're injured or whatever, you literally just have to swipe your Medicare card. Um, everyone basically has one in Canada. I'm fortunate that I work for a really big company in Canada that has probably a top tier Medicare system. So even if I didn't have a card, I'd be fine. But that's basically how it works. Yeah. So so different. Uh, at 65, you get a Medicare card here. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it's private insurance or your job pays for it. You know, a portion of your insurance at all whatever it's just so different here yeah. uh so i'm i'm a medicare recipient for the first month ever in my life so <laughs> enjoy it john enjoy i'm it. like i look at it and i'm like look at this thing you know and you know <laughs> got my medication got my you know the few prescriptions that i'm on i mean the 90 day express scripts they call it and it was a zero amount i was like that's kind of cool oh. so anyway you know you work all your life and but uh but the the, the health uh systems here in the united states are everybody knows i mean it's just horrendous yes. oh canada i love canada yeah. i do <laughs> i mean back round bacon me yeah. medical coverage and the guess who I mean, go. I mean i mean what more could you ask for and i'm serious about that the guess who was my favorite band growing up so it was like 
I, 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 I bow to our neighbors to the north. I, I love Canada. I spent a lot of time in Detroit, uh, excuse me, Toronto mm-hmm. when I was in college. I went to SUNY Brockport up near the New York border. Mm-hmm. And we used to take little trips to Toronto just to dig Young Street and the music scene there. And uh, I love Canada. Yeah. I'm jealous. Well, I do too. Good people. I, do. I love the people too. I love, yeah. I love Canada. I I've never met a Canadian I didn't like. No, it's true. Yeah, well, I have, but I mean, you You know what my favorite memory of Canada was, is walking in a busy area of Montreal. And unlike New York, when you're crossing a street, like there's a stop and it tells you to walk on the electronic sign, right? You always hear talking and, and beeping. And in Canada, in Montreal, you only hear footsteps. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you don't know if the person next to you speaks English or French. That's right. So nobody talks to each other because you don't know if they can understand you. It's very quiet. It's the quietest, quietest major city I've ever been in and cleanest too. It is. It is. I, I have to say it's very clean where I live and I'm very close to the middle of the city. So, yes, I, the last time I was in Canada was 2000 when I flew to Montreal to see the guess who, it, when they had a huge reunion tour back then with Randy Backman and the real band. And it was uh, spectacular at the Molson center. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's my, and we, we went, we went looking for craft dinner at little stores. I don't ask me why it was something on South park. So we <laughs> wanted to see if it really existed. And it did for some reason uh, in Canada, it's called craft dinner in, in the United States. It's called craft macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so strange. It's the same stuff, but they have a different name for it. Now that I put the listeners to sleep, let's get back to wrestling, huh? Um, All righty. Um, hey, Jesse Ventura, I got a trip. He's coming up now. I got a trivia question for you, John. And okay. I know this is for a fact because I have it on tape. All right. When Jesse Ventura made his uh, color commentary debut, I forget the year. The guy who he succeeded walked off and he walked on the beginning of the program. Can you tell me who he succeeded as color commentary? Roddy Piper. No. The guy did it for a few months after Pat Patterson. There's, a, there's your other hint. Okay. Pat Patterson went off. Yeah. Because he went and took a role in the, in the office. And he was succeeded, at least on one of the syndicated shows, and I'll tell you who it was, mm-hmm. Angelo Mosca. Wow. I would have never guessed that in a million years. Now that he came out on the, I forget if the, if I forget which of the shows it was. Remember, it was All Star Wrestling and Championship Wrestling. It was still syndication mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah, the announcer may have been Jack Reynolds at that point, and not Vince McMahon, because he uh, Jack took over one of the shows for a while. And um, Angel Mosca comes out and says, "My son, Angel Mosca Jr., is now in the WWF, and I want to manage him and take care of his career because I'm going to step down as your commentator." And they shook hands and said, good, good luck, everybody. And he walks off. And who walks on but Jesse, Jesse. Ventura? Wow, that's and, a great piece of trivia, Bob. Yes. I, I, I was very interesting. And I still have a VHS tape of that happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think very many people remember that Angel Moscow was even a color man. No, and he was a face color man, which made no sense because he had been a heel right yeah. before that. Interesting. But he was a face, he was a face color guy. So he was just, you know... Uh, glad handing happy guy 
in the booth, and then he stepped down, and they let Jesse Ventura walk in, which is the greatest decision they ever made. Really is. It's one of the top. Oh, I would I would agree. Yeah. It, I mean, who remembers Angelo Mosca? No, but you right? do remember Jesse and the chemistry he had with Vince. I mean, it was oh, incredible. And those Saturday absolutely. Night Main Event shows on NBC were – I used to just love – uh, even though he was on syndicated and all that, but those those big uh, Saturday night specials were just incredible. Yes, they were. So we have some long clips for. Uh, we're going to go to the first one now, and uh, and he and because the pacing of your new show on EVD was so good, you went right from the tame capsule right into your de- guests, which I really dug about those shows in that era. They were so professional and tight. Yeah, you guys they really cost had us your- about thirty dollars a minute. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing what financial need will make you do, right? It yeah, makes right. you get up, makes you straighten up and fly right real quick. There you go. And uh, anyway, here comes the great Jesse Ventura. Direct from Minnesota, his honor himself, Jesse the Body Ventura. Jesse, are you with us? Yeah, how you doing, John? We're doing pretty good here in New York City and uh, very excited to have you on live on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight for the first time. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Now, are you still the mayor of Brooklyn Park? Absolutely. How's everything going there? Good. Well, it's probably in a little better shape than Brooklyn, New York. I would say so. We read <laughs> in the papers here uh, uh, before we went on the air, there were 10 murders committed over a uh, 24-hour period in uh, New York, and it's pretty heavy out there. Well, I feel good then because I don't think we had any in Brooklyn Park, to my knowledge, for the whole weekend. In now, fact, if we have a murder in Brooklyn Park, it's big news for the, for the year. Now, how, how does this affect your schedule? Uh, is this almost a full-time endeavor for you? No, not at all. Uh, the, the mayor here, we're, we're run by a city manager who's paid and, and well-educated to run the city on a full-time basis. And what the mayor and the council are, are we're the decision-makers in what direction the city manager will carry the city in. So basically, I just need to be here on Monday nights for council meetings and then certain things during the week I'll handle. And then, uh, you know, I did have an experience lobbying in Washington, D.C. this past year, which was pretty interesting. Jesse the Body in the Rayburn Building. You ought to see that one. Well, I wish we could have been there with the video camera. (laughs) But a lot of things happening in your career, of course. You uh, still do the uh, color commentary for the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, you're back in professional wrestling now with World Championship Wrestling. Uh, Tell us... I know the last time we had you on the show, you'd said WCW had contacted you a few times, but really never followed up uh, with your uh, agent, uh, Barry Bloom, out on the West Coast. But this time, a deal was consummated, and uh, you debuted at Clash of the Champions a week and a half ago in Kansas City. Yeah, it uh, actually it went quick and right to the point. I, I guess from the word that I heard, the problem, and no pun intended, was uh, Mr. Jim Hurd. Yeah. You know, and uh, apparently he he blocked my path into WCW for one reason or another. I don't know why, but, you know, talks never fulfilled ever. And when he was released or resigned or fired or whatever the thing was right before Christmas, uh, they made contact with me. Uh, and uh, uh, shortly thereafter Christmas, they came back, and uh, it was a basically a three-phone call deal that set the stage for the, the Super Brawl. And, uh, you know, I was real pleased with it. I... Uh, you know, totally, excuse me, totally happy with the situation right now. And uh, you will be doing the next pay-per-view, which is Super Brawl coming up. Uh, I know you have been signed uh, just for a few events. Uh, we understand through the rumor mill, maybe you can uh, 
uh, confirm that or deny it tonight. We understand that you are scheduled to meet with WCW this week about doing future uh, announcing for them? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I'm flying to Los Angeles Tuesday to work on another project, but uh, uh, Kip Fry from WCW, who's now the head man, is flying out to L.A. Uh, this Wednesday to sit down with my representative, Barry Bloom, and hopefully between Wednesday and Thursday we'll hammer something out on a more long-term basis. Well, that would be great. I was there at the event live, and um, uh, just the uh, the excitement in the air when Kip Fry announced that you were signed to announce the pay-per-view show when you came out. Uh, the people, I was watching the faces of uh, many of the fans in attendance, and uh, the majority of them were absolutely shocked. Uh, that you came out uh, to uh, that great crowd in Kansas City. And boy, oh boy, just listening to the uh, match with you and, uh, and Jim Ross announcing uh, together, uh, it seemed to be instant chemistry. And, of course, you have worked with Tony Schiavone before, so the fans are going to be certainly uh, treated to uh, some great, great announcing by Jesse Ventura. And you, and you add... Uh, you add a lot to the organization. Uh, WCW seems to be a company right now with uh, Kip Fry taking over and some of the talent they've signed recently, an organization on the upswing. And um, uh, a lot of people are saying that Vince McMahon and the WWF are very vulnerable right now, and it could be the time for the TBS-owned group uh, to make some waves in the wrestling business. I agree with you. You know, they, uh, uh, I would think that uh, WWF is a bit vulnerable right now. You know, they're involved in a lot of controversy, and uh, also I think that, uh, you know, a lot of fans out there have been waiting for WCW to make a commitment. Yes. And, you know, because they've, they've struggled a bit the last year, year and a half, two years, and I think with what they're doing right now with Fry taking over and obviously them coming hard after me, they're showing the wrestling world that they are going to make that commitment. And uh, I'm excited about it. I mean, they got a lot of great young talent down there, and they seem to be extremely hungry. That was the impression that I got in, in walking in and out of the dressing room, that you had a lot of guys there that were very, very hungry to be successful. And uh, I'm excited about it because, you know, if, if somebody is going to make a move, uh, you enjoy being on the ground floor of it. I remember when, you know, Vince McMahon first went national. Well, I was fortunate to be on the ground floor of that movement, and that was exciting times, and it was touch and go, and it was, uh, you know, you, you didn't sleep good every night, you know, but uh, that's the way I've always lived my life, and, you know, I think right now that I think WCW is in a position to where they can come up definitely and rival WWF, and there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like in the old days, if you're old enough to remember uh, the NFL and the AFL. Yes. You know, the AFL played second fiddle all the way until a guy named Broadway Joe Namath brought the Jets in there. And then all of a sudden they were looked on equal. And then next year when Kansas City beat the Vikings, they were equal. Well, that's uh, certainly a good uh, uh, comparison right now. Uh, on WCW's telecast over the last few weeks, they've showed uh, the Steiner brothers uh, defeating the Legion of Doom and the Nasty Boys. They've showed uh, Sid Vicious being pinned by Sting and Lex Luger. Uh, they will show Ric Flair being pinned next week uh, by Sting. And uh, uh, so they are really going after for the first time, uh, uh, showing the wrestling fans around the country that, hey, these WCW guys are tough themselves, and uh, they have defeated some of the top guys who are now competing in the top uh, rung of the WWF. So Well, and I think, you know, you're going to see in WCW, you know, they've brought the light heavyweight division in, too. Yeah. And so I think that's a chance. I mean, if people, I mean, this 
uh, Thunder Liger from Japan is unbelievable. Have you seen him live yet? I haven't seen him live. I'm looking forward to it. I've only seen him on television tape. But, uh, you know, the one time, I, I think I saw him on George Michael's. The, uh, what's the show he's got on? Sports on, Machine. Yeah, the Sports Machine on Sunday night. They actually played a clip from him. And I kind of was sitting there half dazed in my chair a couple months ago, and this guy came on from Japan, and it, it woke me up real quick. Yeah, he certainly added a lot of excitement. A lot of people say that he is the most talented uh, uh, light heavyweight in the world today, and, of course, he holds a WCW strap. <coughs> yeah, well, it would be a great match, him and Pillman, because Pillman's no slouch either. Yeah, Pillman has certainly uh, come a long, long way. Uh, we're going to open up phone lines here for everybody out there. If you'd like to talk to Jesse the Body Ventura and talk about professional wrestling or uh, Jesse's career, a long and illustrious one. And, of course, uh, Jesse is also involved right now with a television show called The Grudge Match. And uh, we've been watching that here in the New York area. And uh, John, if a... I can add, The Grudge Match ratings are doing great in New York. Yeah. Of course, that's a show that's made for New Yorkers. Yes, it is. You know, I mean, that <laughs> if you ever wanted to look at what would be a natural New Yorker, that, the grudge match. Well, that's a, certainly... I think it would be good to get a few of them New York cab drivers on there. Can you imagine? <laughs> there's, cer <laughs> there's certainly a lot of options as far as when they go into battle with each other. <clears throat> Maybe you could do a live remote uh, right here from the streets in New York City with the grudge match and set it up. Uh, Either that or just right. bring it to the garden. Yeah, that would be, that would be phenomenal. The, we could use the felt form and bring the cabbies in. Well, talk to the producers, and uh, <laughs> we'll try to we'll hawk the tickets here on the show, and we'll sell the place out. Absolutely. Okay, we'll go to the phones right now. We're going to take our first caller, Adam from White Plains. Adam, you're first here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Yes, I'd like to ask Jesse a question. Go ahead, Adam. Okay. Why did you decide to go to WCW besides WWF? Uh, it wasn't my decision to make. Uh, a year ago, in uh, August of 1990, the WWF released me, fired me, whatever way you want to put it. We had a we had a problem over a marketing dispute. I own the rights to my name, and I subsequently marketed my name to the Sega Genesis people, the video company, and uh, the WWF basically told me I couldn't do that, and I basically said, yes, I can. I own the, the rights to my name, and they told me my job would be in jeopardy if I did that, and I did it, and they let me go. And from that point on, uh, I think we only had one contact between them and me signing with WCW, or one or two contacts, but the one time that we did, when I left the WWF, uh, they told me if I was contacted by any other wrestling organization to please give them a courtesy call you know, to allow them, I suppose, to counter-offer or whatever. And uh, last spring, when Global started with Joe Petticino, they had a lot of rumor that they had this 14 or $15 million or whatever it was, and they approached me and made me a legitimate offer. And to make the long story short, I fulfilled my obligation. I had my manager call uh, Titan, WWF, and tell them that this other company had approached me. And Titan came back a day or two later, and, base, and their quote back was they weren't sure how they could use me. Well, that's phenomenal. And so at that point in time, I took that as meaning that my relationship with the WWF was now over. You know, because, and, and when WCW contacted me, they had a very good idea of how they wanted to use me. So, uh, you know, I, I, you say what you want, it's still a business. You know, it's no different than baseball here in Minnesota. We won the world title with Jack Morris, but along came Toronto. And Toronto offered Jack Morris $10 million, $11 million for two years, and Jack Morris is gone now. Well, wrestling likewise is a business. And, uh, you know, Titan WWF claimed they didn't know how they'd use me anymore, and WCW does, and I'm happy I'm there. 
Well, we're happy there also. Let's go to our next caller, Joey from Brooklyn. Joey, you're next. How you guys doing? Okay. Uh, Jess, I called you on Garage Mash last night. A lot of fun. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it, Joey. It's great. Um, a few questions, John. Um, Johnny B. Bad, does he have uh, any previous wrestling experience before WCW? I'm not sure about Johnny B. Bad wrestling experience. I have heard he was one heck of a boxer. Yeah, I heard, I heard he was a real good Golden Gloves fighter or whatever, and, uh, you know, that's the most that I know about him. He, he looks in terrific shape, and he, uh, he throws great punches like a boxer. And I heard that he actually came out of boxing before he got his training to wrestle, and, you know, maybe he went out and lived with Little Richard a while. I don't know. Well, he's yeah. been wrestling less than a year in, uh, in the amateur ranks in boxing. Uh, uh, he reportedly knocked out Riddick Bowe. Really? Yeah. Well, if he can do that, he's got a good right hand then. Any, uh, any other questions, Joey? Yeah, uh, about Bret Hart. Um, do you think uh, maybe to counter him from going to WCW, they might give him uh, the title back? Uh, who, WWF? Right. Uh, I have no idea. I heard the rumor was that Bret was coming into WCW and that something or other in his contract with McMahon didn't allow him to be released or whatever at the, at the moment. So I have no idea. Uh, you know, I try not to get involved in that part of the business uh, you know, it, it all depends what Vince wants to do. You know, if, he, if Vince wants to keep him, I'm, Vince can be a persuasive guy. Yes, he can. And uh, Bret Hart is scheduled to take on Roddy Piper for the IC title at WrestleMania. So he might be hanging in there with the WWF for a bit longer. Matt from Yonkers, you're next. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you doing? Hi, Matt. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Yo, Jesse, I just wanted to let you know you're the best color commentator in wrestling history, and you're my idol. And Predator was the best movie I ever saw in my life. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate the compliments. And all I can say is tune in WCW because it appears I may, you know, I'll know later this week, but I may be with them for quite some time if things work out good. Well, that's great news. Okay, Chris from Bergen Point, you're next. Hi, that's Breezy Point. How you doing? Breezy Point. How you doing, Chris? How you doing, Jesse? Good, good. I uh, just had a few questions. Um, did you ever take steroids? Uh, yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. You uh, it, I took, I tried them way back. I, I went public, uh about four or five years ago coming out against them where I worked with the Food and Drug Administration and they sent a poster of mine to I think just about every high school gym in the nation where I said yes I had tried them but I do not use them anymore and that they're very very dangerous and there was a time in the in the late 70s early 80s when steroid use became very popular in, in all gyms across America and uh, it was, they were so easy to get, and nobody really knew side effects. They knew you got great results from them, and, uh, and they weren't against the law. You know, they weren't made against the law until 1988, when I believe it was Senator Biden from Delaware uh, got them put on the controlled substance to where they're now a felony. But uh, I tried them on a few occasions. Uh, the bad thing is, is the way wrestling is many, many times, the, the, some of the participants almost have to take them. Yeah. because they, they go out and work those guys so much, and they're out on the road, you know, 28, 29 days a month, and people expect to see the fantastic bodies, and there's no way with that schedule you can keep your weight on without them. Also, a question for John. Yes. Did he undertake a, uh, undertake a turning baby <clears throat> uh, Yes, he did. This past week in uh, Texas, at a television taping, uh, they did an angle where Elizabeth uh, was about to be attacked by Jake the Snake, and the undertaker came to her aid, and Undertaker will now be taking on Jake the Snake at WrestleMania. How do you think they're going to play that up? I mean, him well, carrying everybody and everything. With uh, playing it up, uh, the fans have been uh, really taking to the Undertaker as a heel. And uh, I think uh, this will develop. I haven't seen the tape yet, obviously. I think they will show uh, the incident at the Fox TV special 
uh, this coming Saturday. So we'll have to wait and see what develops uh, on that particular show. You know, that that period, John, of WWE especially, the lines between faces and heels were really starting to blur at that point, weren't they? Mm-hmm. They definitely yeah. were. I mean, fans were rooting for The Undertaker when he was a heel. They were rooting for Sid, regardless of what side of the fence he was on. And it never used to yeah. be that way. And he was, uh, you couldn't tell if he was babyface. He was just heel-ish, always, right. if right. he was babyface or heel. And it's interesting, because uh, I did go back and watch um, the Royal Rumble in 92. Uh, and first, I had to say that what an incredible amount of talent that they had at that time, that Royal rumble was incredible. Uh, but seeing Sid, you know, you, you <laughs> definitely, but uh, the tweeners or the, the, the lines being blurred, as you said, uh, was getting more and more evident at the time. And, you know, if you look at wrestling today, is there such a thing as a heel in a face anymore? I, I don't think, think there so. is. I really I don't, don't. I don't think, yeah. It's personality versus personality. It's up to the fans to choose which one they like the best yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. There's no hardcore, hardcore heels, evil heels, you know, like there were back in the day. Well, they try. A couple of them try. Uh, it's just not believable anyway. <laughs> in my opinion, it's not believable. Um, you know, I was going and watching last night. I, I saw that Madison Square Garden show from 95 and, Waldo Von Eric came out against Strongbow and attacked him in one in 30 seconds and the heat that he had and, and Arion and the, just uh, the place looked like it was going to erupt in a riot uh, and heels were able to do that back then. And that doesn't happen today. That's true. I, and I'll say it again. Bruno walking to the ring drew more, drew more uh, heat than any other factor I've ever seen in my entire life in a wrestling arena. There was nothing else like it. The roof literally blew off Madison Square Garden. Every time he simply walked to the ring with a towel in his hand and Arnold Skolman. That was it. Yes. And friendly Bob Pree, the ring announcer. And let's introduce a great guy, Arnie Skolman. (laughs) You know, a great guy. Friendly Bob Freed would mispronounce my name. Oh, he, 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 in the same match, uh, he announced Pedro Morales. And Pedro Morales or something in the same yeah. match. Uh, in, it's in like, it's like and, and he was he used to work the he used to work the, the whole capital wrestling scene. Yeah. He was the announcer yeah. in Washington D.C. and everything else. You he figured was. he'd have an inkling as to what these guys were and what their names were. No, but he was friendly. friendly yeah, he was friendly. I guess that was, that, that. <laughs> <laughs> he was awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, there's, there's, there's a handful of videotapes with Bob Freed, and he he would botch, I say, every third name he, he tried to pronounce. Seriously. He wasn't like to think. Did you ever hear him try to say Antonio Puglesi? Oh, yes. Right? Was it, it sounded like. Yes. I don't know what it was, but it certainly wasn't Antonio Puglesi. Baron Mikel Clooney had all kinds yeah. of problems with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, go back on. Go back to the Peacock if you have Peacock. Go let's go to some of the WWF, WWE old school, and be able to see what we're talking about. Because friendly Bob Freed, they don't make him like that anymore. (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) He don't. And you know, there was Alex. I don't know if you can understand this. What was it that all the ring announcers were these old, old guys, right? Yeah. They you it's like you had to be the minimum of fifty five to be a ring announcer, 
in the 60s and 70s wrestling. I don't understand, but they were all the same. Yes. Jimmy Lennon on the West. Yeah, they were all these ancient guys. It was incredible. I mean, to be fair, and I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes when I say this. When I was watching Total Divas way long time ago, the very beginning of the show, and they were starting to give Divas more of a chance to do stuff, right? More than just being a valet or a manager. And they let Eva Marie, I don't know if you remember her very briefly. Sure. sure. She did some ring announcing um, for like one match. And I've never heard something so awful in my entire life. And the names that she had to announce were nowhere near the ones that you were just saying, Bob, where, you know, you could understand how maybe somebody could mess it up. Like she botched these people's names, like Drew McIntyre. I don't know how you can mess that up. So I, I, you know what, if, if somebody's a little bit older, but is on their game, I'm okay with that versus somebody who's young and just doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, anyone who wants to hear a classic ring announcer from back then, try to find some Jimmy Lennon stuff. Oh, Jimmy Lennon. Yeah. 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 And I forget the name of the fellow from Philadelphia. I used to like him too. Uh, was it not Joe McHugh? Was it? No, no, no. Buddy uh, Wagner. No, neither one of them. He. Uh, this was a guy who also did basketball and other sports. He was a legitimate sports announcer from Philadelphia. So you're talking about do, a ring announcer. A ring announcer. He used to do it from the spectrum for a while. He had the voice like this. You know, he was this yeah. old, crusty guy. Yeah. And he was cool. I just can't remember his name, but he was Baron Sucluna. You know, yeah. it was just... it was just, There's an was, art to it. There was an, an art, art to it. Oh, yeah. To, uh, that's why... Uh, the thing, but, how, but how in Albany, New so York, good for those years. In Albany, New York, where I grew up, we had a ring announcer at the Washington Avenue Armory who would announce like this, if I may imitate him. Yeah. Over here, left corner, <laughs> two hundred forty pounds, Poland, Putski. Yeah, then he take Putsky. a he tra- take a drag of a twice. cigarette. He take a drag they, of a cigarette. They would say the, the name twice always. Yeah. Over here, left corner, Russia, Koloff. Koloff, and that was how he announced. Yeah. And he was this bent over little guy with a with a tuxedo and a and a flower lapel. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a good question for everybody. Like, who was your favorite ring announcer? You know, my favorite ring announcer. No, Swear I'm, to asking, God. I'm asking the listeners too, and not only oh, yourself. Yeah. yeah, you want to know my feature? Yeah, you know please. Thought was awesome. Seriously, Howard Finkel. Oh, that's what I was saying. The Fink. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. The winner. Awesome. Yeah. He, he had, had the, he, he had the sports feel. Yeah. Howard had the sports feel and you could tell he was a fan and I had some conversation with him before he died at least uh on social media and I he was talking about the old days at Madison Square Garden and how he missed and I and I chimed in and I said, "Yeah, I missed those cards." And he wrote back he said, "Me too. There was nothing else like it." So even he knew the importance of Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it was uh it's a lost art now. I mean, it's a lost uh but back then, it was incredible. Well, I, th- I think I think they're all trying to imitate the last announcer that was on television. Yeah, you know they all sound kind of like the uh, female announcer, who Lillian Garcia. I think they're all imitating Lillian Garcia. Ah, uh, but Lillian was good though. She was good, but I think they're Very trying good. to imitate her now. I really Maybe. do. Even, even the Maybe. men. Yeah. Whoever the ring announcer sounds like Lillian Garcia. So she, she obviously has a legacy. She might not even know mm-hmm. she has. Because they all sound like her. They really do. Hmm. I have a question for you, John, about Jesse Ventura. All right. 
In this era, we know how you got Cactus Jack in the show, the Power Twins, other local guests. But Jesse Ventura was a worldwide star, and he was affiliated with WCW. How hard was it to get? We know WWF was a lost cause trying to get guests from them. But how hard was it to get WCW stars on your show? Did you have to jump through? It hoops? was, it was it, never really that difficult, except for the, the time period when I had the first convention and, you know, we had that problem with Sting. Uh, and they, they gave me a little bit of an issue giving me some guests. But I used to go and just call somebody, get a phone number. It wasn't that hard. It really wasn't. Really? That, that's nice to know because it's like, you know, you really but, did have some. Yeah, but some of the old school, old school guys like Arn Anderson and, of course, Flair. And, and, you know, there were some that were hesitant, not wanting to do it. But most you, of them did. You think it was because of the honest nature of the show where they just. Come, yes. They weren't going to all come on and talk about their match on Thursday night. They were right. Well, come. there was no insiders shows like this. I mean, this was, you know, I was kind of doing it in a way that had never been done before. That probably scared some people off. You got to be, you, you probably knew it at the time too. Oh, I certainly did. I, you know, I, but there was no, once you went down the road, there was no turning back. You yeah. tried to, and there was still, you know, with the history of the show, uh, there were guests that would come on in character and, you know, kayfabe. And I remember a public enemy doing that when they were at ECW. I mean, I was expecting this great interview with those guys and then they come in and they're in character and in gimmick and they're not and that was that blew my mind and that was ecw that was ecw you would expect the opposite right yeah well you never know once you meet these guys right it's amazing um well our our next segment is a long one and uh i i love this segment because we jesse takes on some more callers beginning with Paul from Flushing, who cracked me up. Uh, he wants a little something out of Jesse. And uh, do you want to find out what he wants? I would love to. Let's go to that right now. Paul from Flushing, you're next. How are you, Jesse? Good. Hi, Paul. How are you? Fantastic. First, I want to tell you, you're the greatest announcer and a wrestler at all times. And, I th- and I'm your biggest idol. And I want to know if I could have an autographed picture of you. Well, uh, uh, I suppose you can if, you, if you'll send me a... Uh, the only thing I require on autographed pictures, you got to send me a self-addressed stamped envelope for me to put it in. Right. Because uh, I'll go broke if I have to put all the stamps on it. Oh, I'll, I'll do anything for you, Jesse. Okay. And also, I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. I was just wondering, uh, uh, what do you, do you think... Uh, a man like Kevin Sullivan will come into the WW as a manager for a wrestler because I followed his career, Kevin, Mr. Sullivan. And Do I think Kevin Sullivan will be back in wrestling? Yes, he'll be back in wrestling or a manager uh, managing another wrestler. I have really no idea. You know, that would probably be up to Mr. Sullivan and whatever wrestling organization he would talk to that feels they could be helped by his commitment to them. And uh, at the time, I've heard nothing of him. In fact, I haven't seen him for quite some time. Oh, also, what do you think about Tony Atlas? Do you think that uh, Mr. Atlas uh, could measure up to, like, Ric Flair's or, or uh, Hulk Hogan's or uh, Luger? Or I think Tony Atlas had his greatest days when I stomped him in the cage out on the East Coast. That was Tony in his finest hour. There you go. There you go, Paul. 
I tell you, as far as that autographed picture goes against Jesse, do you want him just to write and carry the station with a self-addressed stamped envelope? Is that the best way to handle that? Yeah, I suppose so. Or, or uh, you know, I guess if the yeah, I guess so. Because <laughs> we don't want you to be swamped with letters in the Brooklyn Park. Yeah, I park. forgot I'm in New York here. I could get 8,000. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, 8 million of them in the, in the next 24 hours. Can you imagine? Joey from Short Hills, New Jersey, you're next. Uh, hi, John. Um, you said about Randy Savage and Rich Flair being the main event for WrestleMania. Yes. Um, I was wondering how they're going to switch Savage in for Hogan. Well, you'll see uh, things develop on Fox TV Saturday night. Is there going to be like a turn with the Justice and the tag team match? Uh, yes, there will. All right, thanks. You're welcome. Right, bye. Okay, let's go to Lee from Brooklyn. Lee, you're next. Yeah, Jesse? Yeah, hi, Lee. How you doing? All right, how are you? Good. I'm a big fan of yours, man. Thank you. I, um, I have uh, two questions for you. Okay. Uh, first of all, I, know that, I knew that uh, you and Adrian Adonis were good friends. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to know how you felt when you heard the news about his death. Well, I was saddened like everybody else. You know, Adrian was a, 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 probably a guy who was totally committed to wrestling. Yeah, he was a great guy. Yeah, well, wrestling. I mean, he was, and he was committed to wrestling. He loved it. You yeah. know, Adrian Adonis was the type of guy that, uh, you know, of course, money was important to him, which it is to all of us. We're professionals. But Adrian got in the business back, you know, a little after I did, and I got in in 1975. and. Mm -hmm. Back then, you, you really had to love the business to get into it. And uh, Adrian had that love. And, I, you know, I felt bad when, when, you know, even though we split up as a tag team, he was probably the greatest partner I ever had in the ring. And, uh, you know, in the ring, you couldn't ask for a finer partner there could ever be, just that our lifestyles differed greatly outside the ring, which probably ended up with the ultimate breakup of the East-West connection. Yeah, because I thought you guys were really great together. Oh, we, we, we went like bread and butter. Yeah, and uh, my second one is, what do you think about Hulk Hogan and this whole steroid thing? Uh, what do I think about it? Yeah, have you ever seen him take steroids yourself? Have I? Uh, I'd rather, you know, that's up to Hulk to answer to. It was like the caller earlier that asked me if I had tried them. Yes, you know, I, I, I admit that I tried them. You know, and I, I think that the man, you know, he had an opportunity on Arsenio Hall to come clean with the whole thing. And I don't think he, he exploited that opportunity the way he should have. I think he made a mistake on that show. But that's just my opinion, of course. And, uh, you know, how Hulk deals with the whole situation is up to Hulk. And, yeah. uh, but uh, I think that in the position he occupies with the youth of America, that, uh, you know, maybe he needs to look in the mirror a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people feel that uh, that Arsenio Hall show, he had the opportunity to really uh, wipe the slate clean uh, sports fans are the most forgiving fans there are. America, of course, uh, do forgive. Uh, and if he just would have uh, did the right thing on Arsenio Hall, a lot of this heat that he's taking right now and, and, wouldn't and, be there. And if I could add to that, too, you know, I, I probably was closer to McMahon than anybody for a long, long time in the, in the WWF organization. And, you know, the Arsenio show, uh, to me, it wasn't even really Hulk talking. And you can take that for whatever it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen now? The WWF, of course, has uh, had two steroid tests, and there haven't been any suspensions or discipline as we know of. Um, well, I, I, I'm not an expert. I mean, I know about steroids, and I know <laughs> what they do and don't. I'm not really an expert on the testing. But from what I've heard from talking to different individuals and different people in the medical profession, the tests are easy to beat is what I hear. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now whether they can, whether 
whether WWF is legitimately testing, I don't know. Uh, I've heard claims from WWF people that it, that they're legitimate, they're strict, they're this, they're that. And uh, by looking at some of the bodies that they've had on TV as of late, I would say that some of the people definitely are now off them. Yeah, we've you noticed know, because a change. You can tell when they've lost 20 or 30 pounds of body weight. You know, it, it ain't because they quit eating hamburgers. That's for sure. Let's go back to the phones now. We'll go to Rob from New Milford. Yeah, how you doing, John? Hi, Jesse. Hi, how you doing, Rob? Um, I just saw a question to John. With The Undertaker going babyface now, is Paul Bear still going to be the manager of The Undertaker? I don't know. You don't know? <clears throat> I really don't know yet, I guess. Uh, you know, I just got, I got the news a few days back after the TV. I haven't seen the tape, and I haven't had uh, too much more detail than what I already told the listeners. Oh. Uh, and also, Jesse, um, with the thing about the steroids... Uh-huh. Do you think Hogan will ever come clean about it? Like, even after he retires and is forgotten uh, in the wrestling world? I don't know. Maybe he can't come clean now. I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, he went on Arsenio and he made a bold statement. I believe the quote was, I am not a steroid abuser and I have never used steroids. And then further went on and said that he had only used them in in the uh, uh, repair of a bicep or something under some medical procedure of some sort. So... Uh, that's kind of painting yourself in a corner, I guess. Yeah. You know, to where, uh, you know, if he now comes out and says he did use them, then he must also probably say I lied. But yeah. then again, Lyle Alzado, you know, I, I remember Lyle went right on with Maria Shriver when he was making his comeback uh, with the Raiders and said, no, no, I don't use steroids, and actually got very violent almost about his answer. And then he did come out later when he had the brain cancer and, and made the quote, I lied. Mm-hmm. You know, because Maria Shriver asked him point blank, and they played the tape of when Lyle denied it, and he looked her right in the eye and said, I lied. I was scared. Yeah. You know, I didn't And I think that's a major problem, too, is... They don't want to... People don't want to live up to the fact that maybe they got their their bodies out of a bottle. Yeah, it, but it, it's hard to tell if Hogan is lying because, I mean, a couple of weeks ago on the show, they had Big John Studd who said that he had never... He spent a lot of time with Hogan and said he had never seen it. And then you have the other side of the coin with superstar Billy Graham and... All well, the, the whole thing is, you, got, you must remember, you know, I, I was asked on another program, did I ever see steroids used in a WWF dressing room? No. No. You don't say. I mean, I don't think guys would just. See, it, it, the dressing room isn't a place where people would sit with hypos, you know. And 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 uh, you know, th- I I would presume that if people were using them, they would either walk into a bathroom by themselves, mm-hmm. or they would do it in a hotel room or do it wherever. You know, I mean, uh, if you take other drugs, you don't. You you know, if you see cocaine, if somebody's a cocaine user, they don't sit in a crowded room and you know, snort up cocaine generally, nah. you know, they will get off by themselves or wherever that they can do it in private. So I would presume that that's how, you know, it would be the same thing. I, I never saw people openly ever using steroids in dressing rooms. Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, normally would uh, think that Although I would do, do remember, public. of course, in the earlier days, you know, people making their trips to Zahorian. Yeah. You know, they would purchase the drugs, but they would they wouldn't you know buy them and go then sit in the corner and <laughs> you know, administer them to themselves or whatever. Well, Zaharian now sentenced to uh, three years in prison and is he serving time? John? Yes, he, uh, he he's actually in prison. I believe, uh, from what I understand, he entered the last in the last week or week to ten days. So he's actually behind bars. I believe he is. Yes. Wow. And of course, Hulk Hogan with uh, the the situation with. Uh, him and he's just getting more and more booze by the crowds uh, after the Royal Rumble. Um, they were actually booing him, and 
I understand at the Garden, uh, when he was announced uh, Friday night about participating in a battle royal, that there were a lot of boos. Really? Yeah. And uh, just this uh, whole thing with Vince now, uh, they had a vote, a 900 number of fans could call in to pick the challenger for Ric Flair for WrestleMania. Of course, they let Hogan win that contest because of his public perception right now. Uh, they don't want uh, Hogan's mystique uh, to disappear from the fans, but that's rapidly happening. Hogan, of course, has done a lot of good things, and we're not going to take away all the charities that he has contributed to, all the time he has spent with sick youngsters. Uh, but uh, uh, he just should have uh, done the right thing back in July when he had the opportunity, and maybe all this would have been water under the bridge. I think it would have been, John. And, and you know, and the other thing, too, is let's, you know, let's not just single out Hulk. You know, there, oh, you you know steroid, steroid abuse is, is rampant in many sports, and in many, it's even in high schools now. Yes. And, uh, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's more of a detriment on wrestling as a whole. Yes. Because, you know, again, as I, try, I tried to say a little earlier, the schedules that these guys are under, I mean, if, you're, if you barely have time to make planes and things on many occasions and, you know, to keep your body up and to keep yourself in shape, I believe wrestlers are thoroughly over-wrestled far, far too much, which is, to me, a detriment upon the promotions of being a bit money-hungry. Well, the schedules that these guys go on, double shots, you know, wrestling oh, yeah. twice in a day, it's just very, a lot of wear and tear, not yeah. only physically, but mentally as well. Yeah, you know, and, and shoot, I remember doing that stuff. You'd have a match in the afternoon and then have to be in some other part of the country that night. The worst trip I ever took, I flew all the way from JFK in New York to Narita in Tokyo, Japan. I wrestled Antonio Inoki and got on a plane and came straight back. Wow. So I spent, two, I think it was 29 hours out of a 48-hour day on an airplane. That's a little bit too much. Not too many people can do that. Well, fortunately, I was young, John. I was back about, that was back in 81, I think, when I worked for Senior, and I was, you know, at a young age when my body could still handle it. How do you compare Senior to Junior? Uh, how do I compare Senior to Junior? Senior was the type of guy, he was so smooth that you could walk into him being totally irate You'd get nothing, and you'd walk out feeling good. Uh -huh. And then about an hour later, you'd realize you got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was a very smooth operator. Never raised his voice. Very quiet type person, at least when I always dealt with him. Where Junior's a little more volatile. Mm -hmm. You know, I can get under Junior's skin a lot easier. I, I don't think I could have ever got under Senior's skin. Yeah, he's uh, becoming more and more volatile as all this negative press is uh, seeping its way into Titan Towers. Uh, we're going to go back on the phones right now. Pete from Eatontown, New Jersey, you're next. Yes, hi, John. How you doing? Okay, Pete. Jesse, uh, a comment and a question for you. Okay, uh, Pete, go ahead. Uh, I think you're uh, absolutely one of the best I've ever seen in wrestling, but one of the things I really enjoyed was the feud years ago between you and Ivan Putsky. <coughs> Putsky, you mean. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you. One of the ways you talk about getting under people's skin, one of the ways you had to getting under his skin was constantly referring to him as Paduski. And I, I was just curious where you got that name for him. Uh, uh, Ivan Paduski? Yeah. I actually stole that from superstar Billy Graham. Oh, great. I saw a superstar in Minneapolis where I grew up. Uh, superstar wrestled Ivan Putski back in, back in the uh, about mid Er, mid to early 70s, yeah. right in there. And Superstar called him Ivan Paduski. Uh, just, just a great time sounding. So, so I just thought, you know, uh, if it worked for Billy, it can work for me. Hey, it worked <laughs> for you in spades. Uh, the other thing, also, I enjoy your work in movies immensely. Thank you. 
uh, I thought in Predator, you, you brought a new meaning to that uh, famous wrestling term, busted wide open, when you got hit by the Predator. Yeah, he kind of did me in. It took a hell of a bit of surgery in Mexico to put my chest back together. Uh, just a quickie. <laughs> uh, how did you like uh, working with Arnold? And uh, I understand it was quite a bit uh, friendly competition between you, he, and uh, Carl Weathers. Well, uh, Arnold's terrific. He's uh, you know he's a star among stars out there, and, and but he doesn't have an ego problem uh, worrying about whether people are bigger than him, which is nice. You know, one of the problems I run into out in L.A. with a lot of these guys is physically they don't like to be overshadowed, and a lot of them are little puny pukes. You yeah. know, and uh, so therefore it creates problems for you. But Arnold's the type of guy that is is totally self confident within himself that he's not worried that Jesse Ventura's arms are an inch bigger than his. You know that doesn't phase him. As far as competition went, yeah, it did a little bit. You know, we were down in Mexico and and we had to be on the set every day at six o'clock, so we would train at five o'clock in Arnold's personal gym down there that he brings along with him. And uh, uh, I would always arrive at like. 10 minutes to 5 and I would take the mineral water and pour it all over my shirt and my head so that when Arnold would walk in he didn't know how long I'd been training you know he figured I got there at 2 in the morning and started training so we had a lot of fun but uh, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a joy to work with and uh, I'd, I'd anytime look forward to doing another film with him I love Paul from Flushing at the beginning of that clip who, who proclaimed to Jesse quote I'm your biggest idol just a great line from Paul <laughs> right. I wonder if he ever got his autograph photo. That's a good question. Because I think he was, I, I don't know, he said, Jesse, Jesse was like, oh, I doubt well, it. If you send me the envelope, I'll send it to you. I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. I mean, you know, that was kind of the hardest thing to do. Like if you're in the middle of a show and then someone's asking for an autograph and then, you know, it's up to the producer to keep somebody on hold and get, the, it, it It was not easy to do. And I, I never liked it when, when the listeners Called but there's the thing you never said hey call him get get an autograph no, photo it, it was never anything like that i think that people just wanted to ask through your show yeah yeah mm. but you know jesse i mean he kept talking about the stories without you you even prodding him all that much he was really really kind of a one-man band in terms of speaking out against the dangers of them yeah i think when the that first caller um in the last segment, I asked him about steroids. That kind of opened it up. And one thing I loved about this this whole segment and this interview with him was that he was so honest and transparent, and there was no there was no filter on him in a lot of ways. He just mm -hmm. went and he spoke honestly, and you could tell it was just kind of like he's just going for it. And he was a great guest. Yes, he really was. And 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 the air of confidence without being a braggart you know he, he 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 knew he had game so he felt he could be honest and i think he expected that out of other people too he was a really unique personality professional wrestling i can't say how much i admired him back then i really did yeah me too same here you know he's just a pull no punches he wasn't gonna lie to you you know he wasn't gonna come no. on and con you you no. never got that feeling out of him no, I, I used to, uh, I mean, he was on a few times, but I used to love because I, I used to love having him on there because he was just, uh, he was great and, and he was articulate and he was not ever at a loss for words and uh, he was very entertaining. And he had a great sense of humor too. And a great sense of humor. Yeah. Not in a, in a joke telling kind of a way. He just, he just made some wry observations that would make you laugh. 
Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have him and Corny on at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? Oh, hey, <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> Think about this. Jesse the Body Ventura, managed by Jim Cornette. Oh, boy. Wouldn't have that been incredible. Wow. That's a dream. That's oh, a dream my gosh. Dream, that man. would have been a pair of made in heaven. Holy oh. smokes. Oh, yeah. Oh, what could have been? <laughs> well, we have one more round with Jesse here, taking okay. some more interesting calls from our fans, and uh, let's get to that right now. Let's go back on the phones. Mike from Belmore, you're next. This is a recording. Thank you. <laughs> Phil from Roslyn, you're next. Hi, how you doing, Jesse? Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I just have a few questions for you. Uh, one, uh, some people know you for your from for you from your tie dye. Where did you get that inspiration? Billy Graham. Uh, I I thought you I thought you'd say that because uh, one time I was watching you on WWF and you said that you taught him how to do tie dye. Who me? I taught Superstar. Yeah. I did. <laughs> um, and another thing, also, is uh, Marty Jannetty is he gonna come to um WCW? And if he is, is he gonna go by Marty Jannetty? I have no idea. I'm not involved in that end of the business. My end of the business is broadcasting, and whom WCW is hiring or or uh, uh, bringing into wrestle, I have no idea at this time. You you probably know as much as I do. Yeah, we heard Janetti was terminated from the WWF uh, in the last week or so, and he had been talking to WCW. And uh, really, yeah, why did they terminate him? Well, uh, I don't know for Especially sure. Especially after, you know, the big split with him and Michaels. I've heard uh, a couple of different things from very reliable sources, but I've been trying to get it confirmed by Steve Planamenta, the WWF. Uh, it involved one of their tests, uh, and uh, I'm trying to get that confirmed. And uh, Also, he failed some type of test? Yes. Uh, that's what I heard. Uh, that's what I heard from some reliable sources. Could and, have uh, been arithmetic or history. Could have been arithmetic or history. Who knows what history. they're testing for now? Uh, you know, wrestling is no different than society. And I think if you look at society in the early 80s, there, there was a major drug epidemic going on in society with cocaine. And I think, you know, it's proven, you know, uh, drug addiction knows no boundaries. I mean, you can be rich, you can be poor, you can be white, you can be black. It makes no difference who or what you are. You can become an addict, you can be, uh, you know, famous, you can be infamous, whatever. And so I don't think, you know, wrestling was any particularly worse than society was. And, uh, you know, wrestling is just part of society. So I think if there's drug problems, it's all it's the drug problems are in society as a whole. And wrestling is just part of society. So, of course, wrestling is going to have their problems. But so is football. So is baseball. So is probably every facet of society has had a drug problem in the last 10 to 15 years at one time or another. Right. Okay. okay. Anything else, Evan? No, that's it. Thanks, John. Thanks for your call. Okay, we're going to go to line number three, Greg from Regal Park. If you're trying to get through, 212-477-5610 is the telephone number. Greg, you're next. Yeah, hi, I wanted to know, uh, do you uh, think that Lex Luger is going to be leaving WCW after Super Bowl? Yes. He will be, definitely? He'll be out of there as of uh, March the 1st. And he's, do you think he's coming to WWF? Well, we've heard that he might be joining the WBF, the Bodybuilding Federation. Uh, I don't know for sure. Those are the reports we've heard, but uh, Luger is just a... He wants to take a break from what he's told everybody, and uh, he'll be leaving the business uh, just for the time being on the uh, 1st of March. Thanks for your call. We're going to go from uh, to Mike from... Where are you calling from, Mike? Tiger Heights. Where's that? Uh, between Bentonhurst and Bay Ridge, somewhere in between. Okay, what can we do for you? Okay, first I want to answer a question for you. Uh, Paul Bearer will not be managing The Undertaker. 
He'll be managing the new guy they got coming in, Papa Shanga. Papa Shanga, okay. Right, he'll be going. He'll be feuding with the Undertaker, from what I heard. All right. Also, uh, got a question for Jesse. Go ahead, Jesse. How you doing? Good. First of all, uh, being that you tell it like it is, maybe you can answer this question for me. Oh. What is the most annoying thing about Vince McMahon? Is it his 1975 wardrobe? His Norman Bates stare? His Axl <laughs> Rose impersonation when he when he promotes his big events? Or is it when he insults the fans by saying guys like Skinner and the Barbarian could be the next champion? <laughs> or, or do you have one of your own? Well, uh, I don't know. You know, he, he, I had a lot of good times in the WWF, and, and I know that there's a lot of Vince bashers out there. Uh, <laughs> but, again, you know, I, I probably made my most money I ever made in wrestling working for the man. And the bottom line is it is a business. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's his, his ego, probably. You know, and, and his stubbornness, because in my opinion, there was no reason I should have ever been let go by the WWF. That's the biggest mistake he made. And, uh, you know, and, and the reason that he did it to me was ridiculous. And, uh, and, and then, you know, then his, in my opinion, his ego gets in the way of bringing me back. I mean, I guess he presumed that I would have to come and crawl back to him, which I won't do, because in a, on a business sense, it would destroy my position. As far as being, right. you know, being able to uh, work out the best deal for myself, and uh, so I guess that you know, I, I who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, one more thing, can you do me one favor, Jesse? Sure. Okay, I have a cousin. His name is Pat Duran. He works for WCW behind the scenes. Pat Duran. Uh, Pat. P A T Duran. D O R A N. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you know him or if you know him yet, but uh, maybe in the future, if you see him, just saying, you know, say hello to him for me. Okay. Mike from Brooklyn, his cousin. Okay. Thanks a lot. I'll Take care, that. John. Take care, Jesse. Thank Bye. you very much for your call. I have never uh, heard uh, it put that way as far as Vince McMahon's Norman Bates there, but uh, <laughs> I think I've gotten a couple of those laser looks from him in the past. <laughs> the number to call here is 212-477-5610. Pretty scary. <laughs> We were called up uh, to his office. I don't know if you knew about that or not. Uh, back in August after uh, uh, he had his press conference here in New York to announce steroid testing. And uh, I had been following this story for a long time uh, since its inception. And uh, they uh, disallowed the wrestling media. They didn't invite the wrestling media to the press conference for steroid testing. And I had to sneak in under an alias. And Phil Muchnick from The Post wrote about it. And lo and behold, uh, a week later, we were invited to Vince's office for a clear the air meeting. And... Um, he was very nice, but uh, I certainly got a few laser looks. And, uh, yeah, was that, the, was that when he had Wade and, and Dave Meltzer yes. out there with you? Yeah, we were all in there. And, you were uh, all in there. They had us in this classroom. It was like a classroom atmosphere with a blackboard, and uh, I felt like I was in high school, and, and Wade was the uh, was the <laughs> obnoxious little kid uh, uh, really trying to get under the teacher's skin. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun, uh, but uh, I don't know how much was accomplished. Why, why did they ban the wrestling press from the, from the press conference? Well, the wrestling press press basically is following the story uh, more closely than the mainstream media was up until Fitch, Phil Muchnick uh, really started digging deep into it. Yeah. Uh, so they felt that they can just uh, pull huh. the wool over whoever's eyes that were there. And they pretty much succeeded until the uh, the wrestling media really got a hold of it. Yeah. We have a, we're going to have a few more minutes here with you, Jesse, and uh, uh, if you don't mind... Uh, oh, you know, no, absolutely. Go ahead. We're having a good time with you, and uh, hopefully uh, we can take some more calls for you right now. We'll go to Billy from, actually, let's go to line number one, Joe from Richmond Hill. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hi, good. Joe. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, I have a couple of questions. Um, 
Yeah, um, we've been hearing a lot about steroids, um, you know, in the WWF, but um, how come, why do you think, uh, Jesse, that we haven't been hearing anything about WCW? Because they have a few big guys, too, like uh, the Steiners and Lex Luger. Well, uh, I suppose one of the major reasons is probably that, uh, you know, the WWF falls under, under the mainstream media more. You know, up until now, WCW's probably been looked at as the second game in town. Yeah. And so the the, the leaders are always going to be singled out and put out there in front first. And plus, Hulk Hogan's the biggest name in wrestling. Yeah. And uh, if he's involved in it, you know, he is the big name. Right. And uh, that's why he likewise has to carry the responsibility. Oh, okay. Well, right. I think now's an opportune time for uh, Kip Fry, the new executive uh, vice president of WCW, to... Uh, make some inroads and perhaps develop a, a system in WCW the, uh, as far as steroid testing goes? Because well, see, I, I will disagree politically a little bit there with you, John. Okay. To me, politically, I think drug testing is unconstitutional. Okay. You're you know, be it any kind, because, uh, you know, I'll tell you why. Because right. our country is founded upon a premise that you're innocent until proven guilty. And drug testing is the exact opposite premise. You're guilty until you prove you're innocent. And now, I, I could agree to drug testing as long as you have probable cause, which, again, with steroids, I suppose you could look at certain bodies and have probable cause. So maybe it would be okay there. But to me, drug testing as a whole, and I'm speaking as a mayor now, and, a, and as a political person, I find it horrible that, that uh, drug testing is, is put into effect because, like I said, it, it undermines the whole premise of, of our legal system in this country that you're innocent until proven guilty. And, you know, with drug testing, you have to prove your innocence. Well, you certainly made some valid points there. Um, maybe we can get you in as commissioner, like a like a commissioner of professional wrestling. No, thanks. I'll stick to broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back on the phones. Uh, Billy from Flushing, you're next. How you doing? Hi, Jesse. Hi, Billy. How are you? Oh, fine. Thank you. You know, it's nice to have class back in commentating in pro wrestling. Thank you. Uh, you've been a very big impression on, on my life as far as watching wrestling has, has been. Uh, you are straightforward uh, announcing style. I've always well, taken to uh, the personalities such as yours and Roddy Piper and Macho Man, who, you know, come on really strong and uh, tough. Uh-huh. Well, I think the big difference with me is if you notice that, you know, since I left 18 months ago and now I've come back, there's been a lot of imposters oh, that, yeah. that have been tried. And I'll tell you what the major difference is. And if you even look right now, every one of the other announcers has a direct uh, how would you say, relationship with someone in the ring. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like in, as far as the WWF goes right now, they got Heenan and they got Mr. Perfect. Well, they're both tied in with Flair. Yeah. So what kind of announcing can they do as far as being unbiased? Well, they can See, only... I, I have no tie-in with anybody. Right. And, and never have. You know, even in my days in the WWF, I granted I, I tended to go a little bit with the rule breakers more, but it's only because I was a rule breaker for eleven years. And uh, but but these other guys, you know, they're, they're all tied in, you know, in the actual wrestling end of it, and I find that to be, you know, uh, why they'll never come up to my standard as an announcer. Yeah, and Jess, you know, I thought so much of you. That when somebody gave me a cat, I named my cat after you. Uh oh, is it a good cat or a bad cat? Uh, it's a pretty good cat. Okay, breaks the rules now and then, though. Uh, more than I'd like. Okay, that's just like me then. Okay. <laughs> okay, Billy, listen. Thank you very much. All right, bye bye. <laughs> okay, let's go to Barry. Barry, you're next. Yeah. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Yes, John. Uh, how are you doing, Jesse? Hi, Barry. How are you? Okay. Um, I happen to be um, president of the Hulk Hogan Vi uh, Vitamin uh, Company, uh, the president and owner. 
of Solaris Marketing, which does the Hulk Hogan vitamins. And um, I know your days with the WWF, and I happen to be very close with Hulk. And I just wanted to say I've always respected your intelligence and candor and your uh, commentating. Thank you. And um, I am now involved also with doing uh, a deal. We're working out a deal with Carol Cole Pictures and Arnold on the West Coast, along with Joe Gold. So I was hoping that sometime down the line we'd be able to do some kind of promotions with you uh, in in that vein, in that group, once we set the negotiations and once everything is in set in place. Well, uh, what you'll have to do then is get a hold of my manager out in Los Angeles. I will do that, and um, I think I may be coming up to Minneapolis for the next WWF show. I think it's the end of February at the Target Center, because I do travel with Hulk on occasion. Okay. And hopefully uh, maybe uh, you and I can have lunch and we'll sit and talk a little bit. Hey, absolutely. Give me a call when you get to town. I, I don't think it'd be quite proper for me to go to their event now well, since, since I'm working for <laughs> yeah, the I, Turner organization. Yeah, but, uh, I would I, understand that. Yeah, you know, but uh, sure, I'd be happy to. Okay, I would look forward to that. And, uh, and I just wanted to say once again, um, you're leaving the WWF was a sad day, and, and and um, somewhere down the line, you never know where the paths cross, and maybe uh, the two paths will cross again. Maybe, but I'm happy with WCW now. Okay. No, All right. I okay. look forward to it. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, Barry from the uh, Hulk Hogan Vitamin Company. We've extended many invitations for the Hulks to appear here himself. Never got a response. But uh, let's go back on the lines here to... Uh, I guess we're going to Jason from Manhattan. Jason, you're next. Yeah, how you guys doing tonight? Hi, Jason. How are you? All right. Listening to Vince McMahon for the past year without you has been quite unbearable. <laughs> okay, I guess. You should have been in my position and had to be there for seven years. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Okay, uh, I got two questions for you. Okay. Okay, first, uh, do you have the inside track on who you'll be commentating with at Super Bowl? I have no idea at this time. I imagine it'll either be Jim Ross or Shivani. I, I, uh, I'm fine with either one. I mean, I, I, I said no preference. That's up to whoever uh, Kip Fry or the WCW people want to put me with. Okay. Listen, we uh, hate to run here, but we're rapidly running out of time here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, first, we want to thank Jesse the Body Ventura. And, Jesse, it's been a real pleasure having you on here tonight. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Now, the uh, grudge match here in New York can be seen Saturday nights on WNBC, and uh, I believe they're now repeated on Sunday afternoons as well. I think so. I think it's twice out there in New yeah, York. Yeah, so check your local listings on Channel 4 here in New York. You'll be thoroughly entertained. Uh, and, of course, Jesse will be upcoming on, the on not the Clash, but the Super Bowl taking place February 29th from Milwaukee. And, Jesse, best of luck with WCW and everything else you're doing. Okay, John, thank you, and good luck to you and your program. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Vince McMahon's Norman Bates stare. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. You you, I, you experienced that. I did. I mean, so when, <laughs> when it was brought up, it was like, yeah, that's kind of the way it was. But I never heard it put quite that way, the Norman Bates stare. Yeah, that's the stare right at the end of Psycho when he's in Oh, the, yeah. When yeah. He's it was in... It was was in He's in the rubber room and he look just looks yeah. at the camera and he, he your yeah. blood curdles because he looks crazy. Yeah, a little bit of a resemblance there from uh, young Vince McMahon to Anthony Perkins and Psycho, wasn't there? A little bit. <laughs> I won't. I won't go there. I won't go there. But I will say that I remember the Phil Donahue show. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember it too, Bob. Yes, um, yes, and um, I remember the watching the tapes. And he went was, from. Oh, that was the full gamut of Vince McMahon on that show. He went from oh, yeah. pensive to uh, 
angry to braggadocio to repentant to everything, just trying to keep his head above water. Hey, and that's come on, it. guys. I'm just trying to find out what's going on, just like you are. I'm trying mm -hmm. to find it out. Oh, heavens. Well, yeah. History has shown that. Um, how, how could he not know what's going on in his own company? But that's, you know, it's just all silliness. I always said this is the one thing. I mean, if you're running a company as big as that company was and as involved as the head of that company was with every nuance of what's going on, how could you say I didn't know? I just say look at the product. Yeah. From that era, just look oh, yeah. at the product. Yeah. And I'm talking about the other stuff, too, like even the scandals. I mean, in that era, you know, the Mel Phillips stuff. I mean, right. it's like we'll be getting into that coming up. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, he had uh, he had his he, he he and he had his people out there, his minions who reported to him on every little thing. So how could you, now, you know, now what, yeah. what do you mean by that uh, in terms of. Uh, you mean what's going on in media and what people are saying? And well, all, all of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Finkel was uh, the guy who used to deliver the reports from the shows like mine and the sheets uh, each week to him. Um, but any everybody under the corporate umbrella, they all reported. They, you know, he had his ears and eyes everywhere. Mm -hmm. But yet... I know this from other people who have known Vince. I, I again, I've never met Vince McMahon. I've I've yet to meet him, but I've heard that he, he, uh, there were times when he was like thinking of bringing new wrestlers in who were stars in other territories, and he had never heard of them. So I'm trying to yeah, figure out how that how that all works. I guess he was kind of cat. keeping it. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that true? He really didn't know who he was when he no when he, no. Even after he never been on WCW. he didn't want to bring him in. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Oh, the famous line is like, "All right, I'll bring him in, but I'm gonna cover his face." <laughs> He's a good-looking guy. What's he talking about? Mankind, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever. Yeah, I, I think he's glad he brought him in now. Oh my God! Yes. Sure. Yeah, right. And also, uh, in this clip, we just heard, uh, we heard. Uh, about the possibility of Lex Luger leaving WCW at the time. And uh, how I, 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 I'm having a hard time remembering how much longer Luger did last at WCW at that point, because I know he was about to move over. And I just don't remember the time frame. Uh, it wasn't that very much long after that. And I think we actually go over some of that with Kip Fry in the next episode here when Kip is on the show, because Luger was getting ready to go. Mm -hmm. And that was all contractual, right? Pretty much. Yeah. And then Luger couldn't even wrestle for a while because then he had to join the, the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Because remember Whatever. that happened. That happened this year too. And what well, happened this year? Well, nineteen ninety two. It happened. Did anybody ever take the WBF seriously? I mean, no. I mean, in terms of wrestling fans, at least. I mean, what timing? to start a bodybuilding organization yeah. in the middle of a steroid era scandal. Oh, <laughs> some things I will never understand. Yeah. I didn't understand the XFL either. So what do I know? You know, I, I don't understand the side projects at all. I just, no, no, I never understood XFL either. And he, uh, you know, he was, he had the enormous amount of resources and wanted to 
go outside what really brought him to the dance, which was pro wrestling. Right. I just always felt that if he had put more energy into the you know his his wrestling product instead of diversifying, I think the wrestling product may have been a little better. Yeah. You can't help but feel that way, particularly when you look at what happened during those years. Yeah, it was in an interesting time period. Uh, there were several years there that it wasn't the best product in the world by any chance, and people were looking for an alternative, which even though ECW never really made it uh, huge, I mean, but that kind of fans were looking for that alternative. Yes, Like they they've been looking for an alternative when AEW uh, launched. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll always be looking for an alternative if there's if there's just very few games in town. Well, you know, as we move along with these shows, John, your original broadcasts here, we will find out that WWF, as it was called then, did improve. Yeah. Things, things gradually got better, slowly, slowly. I can think of announcers moving from one company to the other and mm-hmm. and other wrestlers kind of bopping back and forth. Going back and, and forth, yeah. And it got very interesting, and, and the products got better. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of all that, and it was there was a kind of a golden era about to come during the run of your show, really. Yeah, yeah, I left a little too early to really capitalize on what was going to be the attitude era. I got out. I got out right before it kicked off. Interesting. Yeah, you know my timing is bad too. I was with WCW Magazine and left it for a while. I said I, I want to take a break, and I told Colin Bowman that. And two weeks later, uh, Scott Hall shows up on. Uh, Mm-hmm. WCW, two weeks later. Well, that hooked me right in. Yeah, it hooked yeah, everybody in. Holy yeah. smokes. Yes. You know, that's the last major heat I can remember. The the last blazing hot heat in a wrestling ring. Remember how they used to pelt the ring with debris? Oh, yeah, when Hogan turned? Yeah. Oof. And even after that, the, the next yeah. couple of oh, months, it, was, it, uh, it started it to look dangerous. Good. It looked dangerous, yeah. It looked, Alex, yeah. if you could imagine the, the ring in like a major civic center being pelted with debris, yeah, produce and debris, and and just from the sheer, they hated these guys for what they had done, which is simply turn heel. Yeah, nobody expected Hogan to turn heel ever, and I think that was probably one of the great moments in wrestling history when you think about I it. I would, I would say it had to be, it had to be. Well, great episode here, Bob. It was uh, it was a good one. Um, Jesse Ventura. I mean, we got so much coming up. Uh, uh, I, when I look at the list of shows that we got coming up, I mean, people are really going to enjoy it. You know, next episode, Kip Fry. Uh, or actually, next episode, uh, Jim Cornette joins us. Oh, boy. Us. Oh, that's great. His first appearance on EVD. And then we got Kip Fry. And then, uh, you know, we get into the scandal. We have, we have the Cactus Jack remote from uh, uh, the press box in Brooklyn. I mean, the, the, the list of guests, and I'm looking at, uh, I'm not going to be very specific as far as weeks go, but when you look at the list of guests that we have coming up, so if you're a patron, uh, you'll be able to hear all these shows in advance. And, of course, if you're a listener of the podcast, you have uh, the following people to look forward to. Bruno Sammartino, superstar Billy Graham, uh, Barry Orton, we have uh, Gary Michael Capetto. We have uh, Johnny B. Bad in a live remote. Paul Lee Dangerously, The Z-Man, Jim Ross, uh, Cactus, uh, several times, actually. So many others that start to come on the program 
as we go into the future weeks here. And we love uh, doing this show each and every week. So we got a lot to look forward to. And uh, once again, uh, I do want to give you an email address for all of you that you would like your questions answered on the show. We'd love to get your response and get your questions uh, so we could talk about that stuff here. Uh, send your questions to Pro Wrestling Spotlight JA at gmail.com. And uh, uh, we just would love your response and see what everybody's thinking out there. And uh, we're going to do a few more Zooms coming up too and talk to our patrons about uh, the, what they like about the show and some of the things that they would like to see on it. So uh, we're always uh, willing and able to hear what your. Um, your questions are and your comments and your suggestions because this show is for you. I mean, we go over history, it's for you. And also, uh, no matter what platform you listen to the show on, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, Audacity, uh, please share the show links if you can. That helps us build the audience. Give it a five-star review on Apple if you could as well. And uh, don't forget, one last plug, patreon.com slash John Arezzi. Give it a shot for five bucks a month to get you in the door. Uh, it really helps us here at the podcast. Merchandise is available. Go to tinyurl.com slash PWS store. If you want a copy of the Matt Memories book, uh, just uh, send me an email, john at mattmemories.com, or get it at Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering the shows I covered from the Mecca of all arenas 50 years to the go uh, to the day. Rather, the show takes place. We just uh, dropped a new episode, Bob. I mean, January 31st, 1972, Madison Square Garden. Do you remember anything about that show? Please tell me. I will say this. I'm a huge fan of the MSG show, folks. And if you haven't heard it, you really need to listen to it. Please tell me who's on. Because 72 was the year I became. That's the year in my life when I became a huge fan. That's when I really got hooked. Well, this this was another sellout at the Garden. uh, The kickoff 1972. uh, Attendance was 22,076. Big, big crowd there at the Garden. Main event, Pedro Morales defending the WWF title against Professor Tanaka in the main oh. event. Interesting. And it was the night that the uh, Wild Bull of Pampas, Pamparo Furpo, made his oh. debut at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Ernie Ladd was also on the card, teaming with handsome Jimmy Valiant. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, King Curtis was on the card as well. Uh, WWF Tag Team Champions and that short-lived uh, title run that they had. Carl Gotch and Rene Goulet were also on the card. So we cover it all at Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden. And it is the new episode. And uh, it's kind of funny because we dropped the episodes uh, at bell time, 50 years to the day. And that's when the podcast is released, which is kind of interesting. 8.30 on a Monday night. Uh, So the next show is going to be February 21st. And uh, we'll be uh, covering that at Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden. That's a sister podcast here. Check it out. Also, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And it's co-hosted by Tim Poutre. And it's written and researched by Richie Garcia. John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. The producer and editor is A-Rob. Alex Robertson. And Donnie Libel covers the time capsule each and every week. Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh. Thanks to Patreon executive producers, 
Jeremy Priest and Matt Walsh and all the patrons for your support of the production of this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.